0: Everyone needs insurance. So when you need to renew your cover, the the on-the-grid hot tip is to give our mates at City Rural Insurance Brokers a call. City Rural have been dealing with the insurance industry for years, and they've got more than 50 years of industry experience. Need insurance for your business? They'll sort it. Are you a landlord and want to cover your rental properties or investments? They're your people. Or are you like me and need professional cover? In case you say something silly on a podcast city rural can sort that too they did it for me and it was super easy the best thing of all is that city rural are like you and i motorsport people if you've watched car racing this year you might have even seen their logo on cars like the legendary richard Mork super ute among others they know our game and they know the people that follow it so support the people who back our industry and when you need to throw a new set-up at your insurance cover, drop Andrew and his team at City Rural Insurance Brokers line, and they'll fix you up. Head to cityrural.au or follow the links on theracetalk.com. City Rural. Better cover, better service.
1: Delivering all the news, the informed views and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by theracetalk.com. This is On The Grid. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on house.com or on the radio show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. A big show coming your way very shortly. We're going to catch up with Gary Wilkinson, the voice of touring cars, the voice of supercars in its early days right here on the show. He was made a Hall of Famer in the Supercars Media Association just a few days ago while we were at Bathurst. So we'll have a chat to Gary about his life in the sport and also his life in sport. Full stop. We'll also catch up with Mark Walker, Richard Crail. They're going to talk to us about what was just an amazing Bathurst 60th anniversary. It wasn't the best of races, but there were so many other things that made this such a good week on the mountain. We'll talk about that in just a tick. Right here, On The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. Well, first of all, Gary, congratulations on the honour bestowed on you, Life Membership. Look, it's the last thing I was
2: expecting, especially after it's been 25 years since I was actively involved in motorsport. But then again, motorsport, even after I haven't been actively involved since 90, well, actually 2003, I guess, uh, I'm still involved because I still see a lot of the people that I knew from those days uh, on a regular basis. And I've still got good friends that I made through motorsport and i still keep in touch with who's who and what's what and what's going on um because it was part of my life for such a long time
1: <coughs> we come back to bathurst to celebrate your life membership a place that was very much a part of your life for such a long time take us back to your start in motor racing and how that actually happen
2: <laughs> it was a total accident or as neil crompton would like to say i was the accident that happened to motorsport <laughs> uh my old man always said Never refuse a combat assignment. Always put your hand up. If nobody else is stepping forward, step forward. Don't be afraid to bite off more than you can chew. All of those sorts of things. And I got fired from my first ever job 63 years ago this week. Wow. I was working as a shipping clerk for a British import export company in a colonial backwater somewhere in Asia. And I got fired for leading a communist-inspired strike. Wow. Why and, yeah, Why and how doesn't matter. But in that time and place, there was no work for a 17-year-old Australian high school dropout. Yeah. And then, just by chance, a friend of mine said he'd heard that the local radio station, the only radio station in the country had suddenly found itself in need of a part-time English-speaking announcer. So I thought, well, that's a bit out of my league. I mean, my old man said, "It's a bloody hand up, son. You want to get ahead in life? Don't be afraid to take a risk. So I put my hand up, and bugger me, I got the job. Two hours, twice a day, from Monday to Friday. Well, I say two days. It was four hours in total and four hours on a Sunday. I got paid $15 a month Australia for that job. But it led me on to other things. When I came back to Australia, I was hard put trying to find a job. Put my hand up for a job at Radio 2UE in Sydney, which was one of the top rating stations then. Talked my way into uh, a three-month trial as a cadet journo and stayed there 13 years and then went to Channel 7. Um, and at Channel 7, I was sitting in the sports office on a Saturday evening, about five thirty, six o'clock, and Hassild executive walked in and he said, you're the new chap, aren't you? I said, yes. He said, could you do me a favour? He said, I need somebody to do some motorsports commentary tomorrow. He said, one of our commentators has called in sick for the meeting at Amaru Park. Would you be able to help us out? Well, i got no clue none at all but the old man's words kept hammering away up, in my man? head and i put my hand up yeah, yeah, so the next day i walked onto a motor racing circuit for the first time in my life and having never seen a car race live or on television beginning to end i, I mean i had seen the occasional few laps of bathurst in the mid-60s early 70s on the 17-inch black and white standing around mm. a barbecue with mates on a sunday yeah. afternoon um, but I'd never seen a car race end-to-end. End. And there I was at Amaru Park calling my first car race. Well, that was a bit of a challenge. But when in doubt, say nothing. And when you're working with Mike Raymond, you don't have to say nothing. Yeah, that, right, that's well, Right, like Mike Raymond. But he was, he was fantastic. He and I worked together really well. Uh, and the person I was replacing that day was Evan Green, for God's sake, who was the doyen of motorsports commentators. Yeah. In those days. Uh, but he and Mike were diametrically opposed in their personalities and their approach to motorsports
0: yeah.
2: And I thought I was just on a one-day gig. But somebody at Channel 7 Management, I, I presume, felt that I was a good buffer between these two diametrically opposed personalities. Yeah. And so I stayed on, sitting between the two of them. Helping to keep the peace. Good, good, <laughs> and and I met so many wonderful people very early on in motorsport. Um, Fred Gibson, Christine Gibson, uh, Graham Moore, who just walked past us out yeah. the door. Um, Dick Johnson, who lived just around the corner from me uh, in Queensland. Ultimately, I, when I moved up there, um, and those people were just so generous with their time, made me welcome in motorsport. Uh, gave me good advice and when necessary were critical of things I might have done or said to steer me in the right direction and those people people like Graham Moore, John Smith Dick Johnson, Alan moffat they're still wonderful people, wonderful friends to this day Um, so motorsport is about
1: people 100%
2: right? Cars are cars, but cars, I keep saying this to people, cars are only 49% of the equation. Yeah. Because without people, the cars don't turn a wheel. Correct. And it's the people behind the wheel and behind the scenes and their personalities and their strengths and their frailties and their stories, that's what makes motorsport. Yeah. That's what makes people who aren't, and I I hate the term rev heads, but people who are not rev heads, people who are not into the technicalities and the mechanics of motorsport, mm. why should they be denied the enjoyment of watching the sport? Yeah. And you can sell it to them by bringing out the people and the stories in motorsport. And the colour, and I mean, cars provide plenty of colour and <laughs> yeah, movement and sound effects, but it's the stories of the people and the personalities of the people that sell to that extra thousand people, that extra ratings point yeah. that help the program and the sport to survive. It doesn't matter what the product it doesn't matter if it's Kellogg's Corn Flakes. Yeah. And they're changing the name of Kellogg's Corn Flakes, by the way, to something else. I don't know what it is, but that's by the way. Uh, it doesn't matter what the product is, you've got to sell it. You've got to try and increase your audience because if you don't increase your audience, while some other bastard is working overtime to increase theirs, you'll soon find that you've lost your audience and you've lost the program, you've lost the rights, and whatever sport or program it is that you thought you had wrapped up has gone and moved to another
1: network. Seven have always been someone who's been on top of that because there have been great innovators in motorsport. Some of the the things that we see that are just taken for granted now around the world in TV coverage were invented right here for Bathurst back in the 70s and 80s. Two great
2: things happened to motorsport in the 70s. And the first was not Channel 7's doing. It was just a technological advance in television. It was colour. Yeah. I mean, up until then, motorsport... As a, as a television program was restricted to hard-headed motorsport enthusiasts. And it was, no apologies, drab, black and white. Yeah. Colour made the world of yeah, difference. For sure. And then Seven invented race camp oh, yeah. in 79. And my God, that just exploded the attraction of motorsport to a whole new audience. Good. Wow, look at this. This is unbelievable. Color and race came together lifted motorsport from the cellar to unbelievable levels. Yes. And that technological advance has continued with computers and multiplicity of cameras, miniaturization of cameras, all of those things over the years. And Channel 7 has, has been instrumental in the evolution of all of those things. Um, and, look, the product itself is phenomenal to work with. I'm not, I'm not knocking the product. The product yeah. is fantastic. But you've got to sell. It doesn't matter how good your product is. You've got to maintain the pressure. You've got to continue to improve. And you've got to seek to expand your audience even further. Get that extra yeah. ratings point. Make it that little bit more entertaining. Make it that riveting that people won't reach for the
1: remote and churn the channel somewhere else. And that's where that innovation really helped Seven's coverage, was that it brought the the drivers' personalities into our homes. You guys, yourself, Mike Wayne, were able to talk to the drivers as they're doing a lap of the mountain. And and people watching this going, this is just amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah. Those were great days. And it was a privilege to be part of it. And... Hey, I wasn't a contributor to the colorization of television. I wasn't a contributor to the development of race cam technology. Um, I was along for the ride. Uh, I'm just a broadcaster. I'm not a specialist in motorsport or any other sport. At last count, I reckon that I've commentated on about 19 or 20 different sports. Mm. And only one of them. I ever compete in? Not professionally, but only one of them I ever compete in. And that was rowing. There you go. Right? But I've competed on 18 other sports that I had no particular involvement in until I came to it. And somebody said, could you do X? Channel 7 came to me in 1980 and said, can you do the swimming for the Moscow Olympics? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I worked with a guy... Recently deceased, great man, John Devitt. Yeah. Gold medal, winning Australian sprinter, swimming. Um, And I did the Moscow Olympics. I've done a world championship water polo series. Mm. Um, I've commentated on netball, gymnastics, various Commonwealth Games. Um, Get the rule book. Learn the rules. Yeah. Talk to people involved in the sport. Get your head around the terminology that is particular to that sport yeah. whether it's motorsport or Greco-Roman wrestling which I've done um, and then if you've got an ounce of bloody common sense you can finesse the rest
1: yeah right. correct 100% your time brought along the commentators of today the Neil Cromptons and, and those guys who are around now there's some good ones coming through behind them now as Neil probably looks to, to make his way maybe in the next few years we've got guys like Garth Tandem, Mark Larkin, Greg Murphy, those sort of blokes, there's no, uh, there's no amount of talent out there, sorry, no limit to the amount of talent out there for the next 20 or 30 years. Yeah, Murphy's is a real talent
2: of the future. Not that he isn't a talent now, yeah. uh, but he knows the sport. Crompton, as things stand today, is the best thing that's happened to motorsports commentary in the last 40 years. But for the last, I don't know how many years, eight, ten years now, he's been closely pressed by Mark Larko. Mm-hmm. But the, the two of them do different jobs, 100%, right? Different jobs. I understand that. But Larko, see Crompton, Crompton wants to educate the world about yeah. the about the technicalities and the mechanics of motorsport. Yeah. Well, the core audience for motorsport already know what Crompton's talking about and trying to beat the rest of the viewers over the head with it, OK, it'll convert some. But there's a, there's a whole swag of people who don't need to know all that, right? But they want to be entertained. Now, Larco's forte is being able to interpret the technicalities of motorsport and computer graphics... Mm-hmm. It's like, that's another innovation of yeah. recent years, right? All these endless computer, complicated computer graphics. I look at it and I think, holy mother, I've got yeah. no freaking idea what that's about. <laughs> but Larko, with humour and, and short, sharp, punchy, can make that completely understandable yeah, to me sure. and to a whole host of other viewers. That's his forte and he is... The best thing that's happened in motorsport commentary yeah. in the last ten years. Right? Yeah, exactly. Now, your favourite sport? What is that? Are you a rugby league man? Or are you? A- I'm a passionate Penrith Panthers man. You'd be a happy man then. Well, funny. I won't take up too much of your time, but when Penrith first came to the league, the fullback was a kid I went to school with. Okay. And I, I wasn't a particular great rugby league follower, but i thought holy smoke i'm gonna follow this team yeah because i went to school with this kid and uh so i'm a life member honorary life member or something at uh, panthers um so yeah i like rugby league um i'm a bit critical of it the way the sport evolves sometimes and the rule changes and that but that's that's not that's just you uh, know mm. that's just me um i've covered gymnastics at um, three or four five Commonwealth Games and enjoyed it. Um, I did freestyle and greco-roman wrestling at an Asian Games. Uh, and the day I got there to start, the producer said, oh, mate, I'm sorry. He said, the expert that we had to help you out, he said, it's pulled out. He said, could you handle it on your own? Well, fortunately, I'd got my head around the rule book and the terminology, yeah, and I did it. So, I was quite proud of that. Uh, Tennis, this coming January, presuming they want me back, will be my 45th Australian Open. Fantastic. And all up 48 years in tennis coverage, um, Davis Cups and so on. Uh, So, I love tennis. I loved motor racing while I was in it, but because of uh, network politics, for want of a better word, Mm -hmm at the birth of supercars motor racing change networks from yep. 7 yeah, yeah, yeah. to 10 Crompton had no affiliation yeah. no, no solid contract affiliation for 7 so he went to 10 with supercars and I was left high and dry <laughs> at 7 yeah. now Whether or not... Well, if Seven had retained motor racing at that time, I probably would have continued to do it involving supercars. But ultimately, I left for Seven Network anyway in 2003 uh, on a full-time basis. But I continued to work for them freelance for another 10 years doing other stuff, uh, Olympics and tennis primarily. Um, So, yeah, look, motor racing occupied a very important 25 years of my sporting life, my broadcasting life. I'm coming up to my 64th year. um, And I've said many times, I've had more fun, met more great people, made more friends, had more adventures in motorsport than in all the rest put together. Um, But that's not to downplay all of the other things that I've done and all the other sports I've been involved in. I can't think of any assignment that I've taken on in all those 19 different sports that I've covered. I can't think of any one that
1: I didn't enjoy. Well, that's fantastic. Gary, on behalf of all the motor racing fans of Australia and sporting fans in general, because we're also, your voice is so many different sports, as you said, 19, we thank you for your efforts over the last 64 years and congratulations on your live membership to the uh, Supercars Media Hall of Fame. Unexpected, but uh, a great honour. Thank you. Gary Wilkinson joining us here on the grid.
0: We'll be back to more on the grid in just a second now let's face it everyone needs insurance so when you need to renew your cover the on the grid hot tip is to give our mates at city rural insurance brokers a call city rural have been dealing with the insurance industry for years and they've got more than 50 years of industry experience need insurance for your business they'll sort it are you a landlord and want to cover your rental properties or investments they're your people Or are you like me and need professional cover in case you say something silly on a podcast? City Rural can sort that too. They did it for me and it was super easy. The best thing of all is that City Rural are, like you and I, motorsport people. If you've watched car racing this year, you might have even seen their logo on cars like the legendary Richard Mork Super Ute, among others. They know our game and they know the people that follow it. So support the people who back our industry. And when you need to throw a new setup at your insurance cover, drop Andrew and his team at City Rural Insurance Brokers line, and they'll fix you up. Head to cityrural.au or follow the links on theracetalk.com. City Rural, better cover, better service. And now, back to the podcast.
1: There's more great motorsport stories coming next on The Grid. Second part of the program, Richard Crail and Mark Walker join me. And boys, before we say hello, uh, Gary Wilkinson. He's done everything that man.
0: Yeah, g'day. Um, Yeah, really cool. It was nice to play a little role in helping make all of that happen on the weekend um, with him being inducted into the Supercars Media Group Hall of Fame, which was a terrific thing and um, very well justified. I would say that guy has had a significant impact on this race and its history and Uh, the presentation of it over the years has become world renowned um, and he was a huge part of that. So it was really cool. And it was, it was even better to see the reception that he got from everybody else at the circuit as well, which I thought was great. So really well-earned and yeah, a lovely part. And I'm glad you could catch up with him, Shebex, and have a chat about um, life, the universe and everything and very cool stuff.
3: I mean, personally, he was the Queensland commentator on the Channel 7 motorsport coverage, which was our, what we did on Sunday afternoons. And he'd be cheerleading Dick Johnson the whole way, which was my favourite thing. So Wilco was always my favourite growing up. So it was pretty cool to meet him there in the weekend.
1: Yeah, it was actually very, very cool. Uh, he shaped a lot of our careers, I think, in regards to the way that he went about his commentary, not just in motor racing. But in all forms of uh, of sport, he did nineteen different sports. He commented on a professional level on TV, which is amazing, including plenty of Olympic stuff. Anyway.
0: Yeah, oh, the evening. ultimate diverse professional, isn't he? Really? Yep,
1: one hundred percent. Good on him, Gary Wilkinson. Congratulations on your induction into the V8, into the Supercars Media Hall of Fame. G'day, boys. Welcome back. Uh, long time no see. Yes. Not really. Yeah, that, that Monday morning feels like ages ago. Yeah, it
0: does. Uh, yeah. What a uh, what a weekend. What a what a week, really. Um, when you add it all together, Bathurst is back, baby. Um, not the most thrilling race on Sunday, but you get that. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But um, from an event point of view, that was the best that we've had since the old Rona times by a margin. That was terrific. Huge. The scale was. Ginormous, but I think most of all the the feeling of of just happy to be there was terrific. So really enjoyed it. I thought all the activations were really well done. I thought the place looked a treat. The the whole setup around the 60th anniversary stuff was really, really well executed in the end. Um and yeah, it just felt like a really quite smooth race meeting and um yeah a pretty good ad for our our show really in the end so no terrific to be there and, and celebrate that 60th uh, anniversary um
1: milestone for the great race yeah there was plenty happening there's no doubt about it and uh even for the people that were at home there was uh some great tv viewing and the numbers boys we can kick it off straight off the top weren't absolutely spectacular but they were pretty good yeah, TV numbers were okay. the 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 problem was that it it
0: didn't have that thrilling finish, which drives a lot of people to the box at the end of the race, which is where yeah. your your sexy peak TV number comes. So, social media helps that because if you have a, a thriller, everyone jumps on socials, going, "Oh my god, you should see this!" Everyone then turns the TV on, and this is this is proven fact. It's not opinion. Um, so I like that. But I mean, the shootout ratings were the best they've been in five years, so the audience is still there. That's not a problem. Um, yeah, the, the race itself, like it wasn't the worst it's been in five or six years. So it was solid, um, from an audience point of view, but the fact that it was the second quickest Bathurst 1000 that's been run over a thousand K so it doesn't help that cause. And they keep starting the race later because they want to push it into prime time because your TV numbers are a bit sexier, but then they keep going churning out record races like that, where we had what three hours and I think 15 minutes of green flag running, towards the end which i don't think anyone would have predicted so ultimately you still get a pretty early race finish regardless
1: yeah exactly with the, the uh the safety car stuff all happened at the start didn't it and then effectively after that it was uh it wasn't anything which is not what we're used to the last few years mark it's been pretty much safety cars at the end especially with the last 20 30 laps and then you get a sprint home but uh it was totally on top of its head this year so here's the thing
3: they bolted the soft tires on them and there's been a bit said about that uh over the race and over the weekend you know was that a good or a bad thing they needed the soft tires on them to get the lap speed up which is uh which was good they were pretty fast cars there in qualifying trim that were pretty impressive they're good to watch um of the tw- top 12 finishing cars 9 had their fastest lap on lap 4 of 161 and it was the brown perkins car with the fastest lap of the race of uh, uh 2075 which was about 3.2 seconds off the ultimate qualifying pace. So they're they're a little bit behind there, right? So at the end of the first stint, after 25 laps, the quick times are blown out to about a 10.5. And standing at the chase at that time, it was pretty interesting. Like these cars would wobble past, and they were genuinely wobbling past, not on the gas. And I was like, oh, is that guy in strife? Are they in strife? Because they're not accelerating out of the chase. They, they couldn't. They were six and a half seconds off the yeah. pace if they so were going fast.
0: I've fixed this. I've fixed this. And by the time the podcast is live, there'll be an op-ed up on the racetalk.com about this. But so this, the, the soft tyre should not be the race tyre. And the, the only reason supercars ran the soft tyre this year was because they were scared the cars would be too slow. Let's be completely honest about this. Yep. They were concerned the cars would be too slow. And at any other circuit on the calendar... It doesn't matter because no one cares how, what the lap time is, but Bathurst, so much of the mystique of the place has been built on lap time and Murphy's lap of the gods, Scotty doing a three, eight, the first in the threes, that remarkable lap. And then Mostert two years ago with the three, three, which is still the quickest ever turin car lap of the joint. It's the only, there are only two events in the world where so much emphasis is placed on qualifying over and above. Of the race and the other ones, the Indianapolis 500 and the Indy 500 fixed this problem 15 years ago. So the Indy 500 in qualifying trim, they get a practice session and then qualifying and then the pole shootout, they crank the boost on the cars up. So they wind them up to 40 pounds of boost or whatever it is, and the things will do 230 miles an hour to get their pole lap and not, and they're now going even quicker than that. and Scott Dixon's qualifying lap two years ago was like the second quickest average of all time in the history of the race. So they get their sexy numbers and then they wind the boost back down for the race and they put on a really good race. Nobody cares how fast the Indy cars go in the Indy 500 itself. It's all about poll day. Now can either of you spot pop quiz, and this is probably the wrong market because if anyone would know, it's probably one of you two. Did anyone actually know what the lap record, the race lap record, bearing in mind lap records are only set in a race? What's the race lap record at Mount Panorama?
1: I think it's a 2064 or something around no. there.
0: No, it was set no? in 2019 by Chaz Mostert and a Ford. Who remembers that? No one. It's like a 4 9. It's a completely <laughs> redundant lap time. Yeah. Nobody cares, and no one talked about it on Sunday. So the solution is, as far as I can see, completely simple. We've got six hours of practice of wobbling around, burning through rubber. So give them practice six on a soft tire, qualifying Friday night on a soft tire, and the shootout on a soft tire. Let them go and do their sexy lap time. And Brody's lap, he did a four-two for poles. The sixth quickest pole lap in the history of the Bathurst One Thousand. It's a bloody good lap time, and in the first year of the car. They will go quicker. Like next year, same condition, same tyre. They'll be doing threes. So they'll be down into those sexy numbers straight away. So there's your headline. Tick, box done. And then on Sunday, you put them back on the hard tyre. They've had five hours of practice tuning the cars up on them. So it'll be fine. And then you get a race where they can rag the things for 161 laps. You won't have that enormous buildup of rubber off the racing line, which was horrific by... Lunchtime, mm. um, by, by the end of one of those practice sessions, I'm exactly talking. right, correct, and you won't have that massive clumping of rubber that they had, where they're pulling football-sized chunks of debris out of the front splitters of these cars, and in the case of the Fords, breaking fan belts and things like that. So, it, it's a pretty simple scenario. No one gives a crap how fast these cars go in the race. That the, they were, as you said, Mark, they're wobbling around in the nines and tens, mm. and it was still the second quickest Bathurst one thousand ever in terms of knocking off 161 laps. So that has no bearing on Sunday at the Great Race in the same way that winding all the boost out of the Indy cars doesn't change the fact that 400,000 people still turn up and watch the Indy 500 and it's a great show. So it's not this doesn't take rocket science. It really doesn't. I think the fix is incredibly simple. And and I have absolutely no problem with them running a soft tire in qualifying. Why not? That that shootout on Saturday was one of the better shootouts. Yeah we've had at Bathurst for a long time. So it's about the show. The shootout has always been made for TV. The 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 mere prospect of selecting 10 cars out of the race, and you go back 20 years, they used to have promoter's choice and they could bump one in or pull one out depending on whether they liked them or not for TV. So run the soft tire in qualifying, get your hero lap times. That's all anyone cares about in qualifying at Bathurst and then actually run the race on a tire that can, Hope and can mean that the drivers are flogging them mercilessly and it has several other benefits in that it will increase the stint length so you might the, the whole fuel strategy thing they're working on will become more important on the weekend because you'll be able to go longer on your tyre before it degrades less rubber pickup but it's also they're driving the things flat out the whole day that's why we get all these safety cars late in the race and that would then help generate more of the drama at the end. So in my eyes, it's a situation that's pretty easily fixable. And that that was my knot, by the way. I've just shot that completely <laughs> early in the show, but it needed to be said, right time, right place.
3: So here's the thing. If there was a safety car with 15 laps to go on that race on Sunday, someone parked on the side of the road when their fan belt wrapped mm. around the engine and exploded itself, what would have played out then? Would you had? Have- You would have had guys who wouldn't have pitted, who would have wobbled around on their old tyres but got track position. You would have had people dive into the pits to have new tyres. You would have had one of the best finishes there of all time. And we wouldn't be talking about this boring race, which we always get that late caution. This year Mm. we didn't. But if this year we got it, my goodness, the whole thing would have been flipped on its head. It would have been a completely different story. And we would have had something else to talk about.
1: So anyway, that's life. I was waiting for supercars to produce a Cape Baron geese or something just to... (laughs)
3: There was so many animals around that precinct on the weekend.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And lots of wildlife as well. The, ah! um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Hero all week. It's very good. There's a turtle got run over. Yeah. And the mean, cars weren't again. even on the racetrack at that point, were they? Like, oh yeah, they were. That was a race car yeah. that did that. Okay, Call cool, the RSPCA. Oh dear. Yeah. yeah any, anyone who thinks supercars, you know, NASCAR spec rigged the show. I mean, if there was ever going to be a time they do it, it would have been Sunday afternoon at about 4.30. So they let it play out. And that, that was the most, and, and this is speaking of someone who went and did a proper endurance race this year, like a 24 hour race. That was the most endurance race spec Bathurst 1000 we've had for a long time. Uh, like that was a proper enduro because they were all yeah. wobbling around. They were all desperately trying to make it to the end. The cars were ailing, they were running out of driver. They were running out of mechanical life. The tyres were rooted, um, and there were teams on various different strategies on, on fuel trying to MacGyver a finish that they perhaps didn't deserve. If that's not an endurance race, I don't know what is. So in that respect, it was quite good. Um, but yeah, not every race can be a thriller, and that certainly wasn't but, one, but it was interesting enough to maintain interest across the course of the day. But you go back 2018,
3: and there's a broadly similar result where Craig Lowndes had an easy win, but it was Craig Lowndes that won the race. And it was a feel good story around that in his last full-time season, which has
0: probably saved that day, but it was a similar sort of race. The way that panned out history is full of stories like that. Like the, the 2007 race was boring as anything until lap 100. Uh, and then the last 60 laps of that race is some of the best Mm. that have ever been staged there. So, mm, uh,
1: saw a, saw the interview that Chad did with Brock Feeney after his car retired that was heartbreaking i, I hadn't mm. saw the, i didn't see that during the race uh but yeah i saw it today on, on socials and that was heartbreaking for brock Fino. i didn't realize he was that distraught yeah well chad
0: actually wrote a story about this on supercars.com that i, I recommend people read because he as well as being best on ground on the weekend in a broadcast sense um, he writes quite well as well does young chad lee and um he wrote a story about you know, the future of our sport being in good hands, despite the fact all the big names are, are disappearing and he's right. And and what it needs to do and continue to do is capture moments like that authentic, raw passion and emotion of being heartbroken about having a shot at winning the biggest race in your life, being ripped away from you. And that's exactly what happened. Oh, yeah. uh, there was, I'm not going to, I don't want to say it's great <laughs> because it wasn't He heartbreaks for Brock. He's a lovable kid. and. He's had an amazing season and he's a brilliant racing car driver. But um, from a sport point of view, you want, that's what Bathurst is. It's what Bathurst does. The more of that, the better for our sport, as far as I'm concerned, because that shows what it really means. It, it makes, it humanises a sport where it's often quite difficult to humanise because everyone's wrapped up in Nomex and roll cages and helmets. But then you've got the Triple Eight side sort of things. They had
3: three cars and two of them went out with wobbly gear changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like and then you've got the leader there. Well, is his gear stick going to hold in for his last stint mm. while all these uh, other cars there are falling apart? It was uh, pretty.
1: Interesting and had he had you been put under pitch. more pressure mark, maybe things might have been different for him. Well, but he, he, just, he just took a, it was an easy drive home, wasn't it, for the last mm. twenty laps?
3: But it wasn't like his thing was falling apart. Everything mm. on it was broken. The brakes were broken. The steering was broken. The everything wasn't working out for him there at the end. It was lucky that he wasn't under pressure. If he wound up having pressure on, that would have been interesting because Brody's car wasn't much chop either. So, Mm. you know, the Fords weren't fast enough on the day, but if they were in a bit better mechanical shape there in the end and they went and jammed some new tyres on for that last 15-lap race after the safety car that never happened, it could have been completely different.
1: What we do get now is a race pretty much of two 100%. To the end of Brody and Shane for the championship. Brody on 2447, Shane on 2316. And it's probably a bridge too far now. I would have thought 300 points or so for Will Brown and Brock Feeney to make up that difference to run as a, a possible champion for 2023. So these two will go hammer and tongs throughout the streets of Gold Coast. And then, of course, right down to the last race, hopefully in Adelaide.
0: Yeah, which is great, and, and it's good that there's still two of them in there, but we spoke on this show last week about the fact that this race would have huge championship implications, and it has, hasn't it? Yeah. Because it, it would seem very unlikely. When you look at Brody Kosteki's run of form recently back to Townsville, he's second, first, eighth, second race in Sydney, that Sunday race, no one remembers because it was terrible uh first 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 second second so i mean his run of forms pretty good you'd expect him to be able to be consistent across surfers and adelaide admittedly wildcard events where a lot of crazy stuff can and does happen um but it's it's probably like you said shebeck's ruled out will brown and brock feeney i mean you're never out till the end but no. it's going to be really difficult then and then you go a little bit further down and andre heimgartner who was fifth in the championship coming into the race dnfs when the engine goes bang on his brad jones racing camaro and all of a sudden he's 220 points behind chas mostert who's now fifth so all of a sudden top five in the championship which would have been incredible six is still good don't get me wrong but um yeah all of a sudden that changes and then cameron waters tumbles down the order with a dnf to ninth in the championship Mm. so that that massive 300 points for the one race, it really can define the way the season plays out. And I think from a championship point of view, we're fortunate that either Brody or Shane didn't have massive dramas and they finished in the, in the top two um, to give us a championship battle that hopefully goes all the way down to Sunday Arvo in, in Adelaide because I think this season needs a big title showdown in that final, final race of the year.
1: Yeah.
0: How about the Shane Van Gisberg and the triple
3: eight 97 car, the story there, you know, shane's been written off he's packed his bags. he's checked out he's not interested he's been having some shocking qualifying runs he's been spraying it in practice but that's him trying and he tries hard and in the race he pushed that the whole way and that was a shane van gisbergen-esque performance and he was walking down the stairs as i was walking up the stairs towards the media center which is butts onto the podium and he was genuinely stoked i've never seen him that happy he was just having a quiet moment to himself walking along with the peter brock trophy but he was stoked like he knows he how much that means to him because he won't be back for a little while you know next year uh the road courses in nascar clash with the enduro races they probably will if the the calendar stacks up the way it probably will so he won't be back here for a little while so i think he that really means a lot to him you got the richie stanaway story he was gone 2019 he retired pull the pin see you later mate you're gone he gets drawn back in for that wild card appearance last year. Did an awesome job. Remembering qualifying there, he put in the top five, mm-hmm. did a mega job there. Got the call up this year to triple eight wins the race that it's Richie Stadaway, like in a V8 supercar. He's done it. Like that's amazing. And then you've got the triple eight story. They've won their 10th Bathurst 1000. That's ridiculous. They didn't muck around there or nine for very long. Did they? They just got the job done. Got on mm. them. Actually, awesome. a
0: Brisbane team having some sporting success. Exactly. Yeah. Remarkable.
1: Mm. I think the other story that comes out of the Stanaway thing is Greg Murphy being fairly emotional about the uh, the Stanaway return to the top podium of, well, not return, but getting to the top podium of Bathurst. And I think that uh, Murphy was talking about it in Supercars website today, that just how proud he is of having sort of re- helped reshape his career last year.
0: Yeah, I, I think Murph's role in the whole wildcard thing last year is probably underplayed. Yeah, I, I reckon um, Greg, for, for everything that Murph was in his career um, post full-time driving career, he's, I, I get the vibe that, and I've worked with him a little bit and, and I, I get to see him a bit these days because his son Ronan races Porsches and Ronan's a ripper. He's, he's Murph junior, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> It's so good. Um, But, but he's sort of, he's more than happy to stay in the background and, and just, just, be behind the scenes in all of this stuff, especially when it comes to Ronan, but as well as stuff with Richie as well, I think. So um, yeah, his his role in the rejuvenation of Richie Stanaway is, has been incredibly significant. And, you know, I, I think we all expect Richie to have a bit of success now, and he's a different person to what he was when he left. Um, Groves are a team on the up, so that's going to be exciting to watch how that plays out next year in what should be a pretty decent decent little package. So yeah, it's going to be, um, that's what going to be a really good thing. And then, you know, begs the question, what does triple eight do with that second car? We know will Brown drives it all year. What do they do for a co-driver rumors in some media on the weekend that a deal has already been done for Scott Pye, which would make all of the sense in the world. Let's be honest, mm. get a guy that comes off a, a bunch of full-time seasons straight into co-drive. It'd be like WA do W A do you did that with Lee Holdsworth. Um, you know, Groves have done it with Tanda or 888 did it with Tanda um, and WA did it with Fabian as well. So, you know, that would be the most logical decision and 888 tend to make pretty good ones when it comes to that. So, um, but it completely revitalizes 888 for next year as well. What a different looking race team that's going to be really interesting. So yeah, lots of, um, lots of questions to come out of it. What What are some other good stories? You know, BJR's. You um, Anus Horribilis has been well documented, but I thought Bryce Forward was the shining beacon of light amidst the dark tunnel of despair that was the Albury-based team on the weekend. He drove really well. Dean Fiore punted uh, Simona, was it, at the chase? But, you know, every well, was, I had a drama, so... If, if that was Dino at the... In
3: the car at the time, punted mm. Simona, then had two cracks at the Patronus car as well. So it was yes. quite exciting. I really enjoyed taking photos of the 14 car down there because <laughs> yeah. it was a yeah, battering round.
0: Still finished seventh. What a what a performance. Yep. Um, I, I think the most unheralded performance of the day was James Courtney and Zach Best finishing sixth. I, I don't know if anyone saw that. Right? And honestly, I I looked at the results on Sunday afternoon and I was reporting for ABC radio and I sort of went, oh, yeah, James Courtney, Zach Best in six, then Bryce Ford with Dean Fury. What a performance that was. Uh, yeah, disappointing. Will Brown, Jack Perkins. I think everyone just completely skimmed over the Snowy River number five car. But what a what a performance that was to pop up that high at the end of the race. I mean, that was, uh, that was quite impressive.
1: We saw some Ford people on Monday morning, and the question was put to them about do they have any sort of – is it a consolation? I suppose that they had four cars finish in the top six. Uh, the answer was definitely no. There's some mm. – there's some bridges there, I would have thought, between supercars and Ford at the moment. Oh yeah. We we don't really need to
0: talk about it, do we? Because it's been covered off to the end of the world. I thought they did a really good job. No, so do I, considering and they're you know, being we, passed by we, every
1: Camaro well, in the
3: pack.
0: Yeah, but like they were I'm not trying but, to They weren't in the they weren't in the conversation at all. No, no, but they still finished third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. And the, admittedly, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have been on the podium had the triple eight, uh, the double eight car not been there.
1: But um, thirty three second margin between first and third.
0: Yeah, after three and a half hours of green flag running, and that was yeah. against two busted so, Camaros that were yeah but they were around all the busted finish. Mark at the end of the day, like right. they were all shitboxes boxes by the end of that race. Every single car on the racetrack, that's just the car. I'm not diminishing it. There's clearly and the parity trigger has been hit, so they'll be able to fix it now finally, which is good. But um I think they I think they punched well above on the weekend those Mustangs, especially the ones that finished third and fourth and fifth in the end. Where, I thought that was outstanding. Where did Anton come from? Where has that been all year? Yeah. Well, they they they've been hit or miss, like everybody. They've been completely bipolar in their performances. Um yeah, so the combination
1: but... of Chaz and Lee worked well again. They up to fourth. Dave oh, Reynolds yeah. and Garth Tander. Is that a future combination for a few years?
0: Well, no, because Reynolds is leaving.
1: No, no, I understand that, but Garth won't stay there. He'll stay there He'll stay with uh, yep. the Groves.
0: Garth will stay at the Groves. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, yep. and they got they got sort of
3: got the bad rub of the green there with that penalty with the safety car line. Uh, yeah. Earlier on, which you know would have cost them a spot or two possibly in the in the long run.
0: Yeah, they was it the difference in them. Well, you know, they they finished sixteen seconds behind the Shelby Power Car. Yeah. So you know they lost thirty two for a drive through. Probably should have been a five second penalty, or just let them redress or it. Dre- redress it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but
1: they were one of the better cars on fuel, though, weren't they, Richard? I think they were doing thirty thirty. Yeah, one, but that, that make... was a
0: technical decision they made to, and and they were they were. Put, particularly wobbling around on purpose yeah. going real slow saving field to try and get the thing out to 30 laps um and basically save themselves a stop you know if it all worked out well and had they got that late race safety car they would have been in quite good shape for a podium 100 but um but that that goes back to my point earlier i like the fact that the the lack of a lack of a compulsory pit stop this year encouraged teams to have a swing at that and that that's what longer distance racing should be about is roll the dice, um, and try and do something different to everybody else. And they did it. Ultimately, they finished fifth, which is a pretty good result, really, um, for uh, for that team, which is the team on the up. So pretty decent stuff.
1: Can and the Jada, claim a little bit of uh, Bathurst redemption?
0: Uh, did he need redemption? The oh, juice? well, yeah,
1: he had that. Uh,
0: he got he to the finish double. last year, but that was his yeah. best finish in the top 10. Yeah. 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 I feel like Juice was... If he needed a redemption, he probably, all of that was forgotten after his drive at the six hour earlier this year. They, they were great. What a good performance from Matt Stone racing. Mm. They, they were quick all weekend. Like they went yeah. quick all weekend, but they were competent. They were they always were, there yeah, in the yeah. top 10, both they were, they cars. Competent. Nine teams in the top 10 in the end of that one. The only one with two cars in was, uh, Erebus racing. So that was impressive for them. So Matt Stone getting the 10, premiere. Golding and O'Keefe. I don't think anyone thought they'd ever be a podium contender, did we? Even though they qualified no, quite top well. Top five, Darky.
3: Yeah, yeah uh, but their qualifying performance. You know, James Golding second on Friday. That was awesome. Yep. Yep, yep. that was and huge.
1: Even the amazing thing of Matt Payne and Kevin Estre finishing eleventh. I mean, they lost laps, didn't they? When they when Kevin's gone off at at uh, turn one. Uh, they lost, I think they lost a lap, which
0: but they got it straight. They back got it with the sa- next straight car. back at the next okay. safety car with the lucky dog. Um, they were lucky it didn't happen later. Otherwise they wouldn't have got it back. And that was the problem for, for the other cars that lost laps earlier, like Lanzi, um, <laughs> and, and Goddard who subsequently had more issues anyway. So it didn't really change their day, but, um, yeah, that was probably another case of what could have been because both of those Penrite cars were very strong. So yeah, that was a that was a shame. Bit of a, a welcome to V8 Bathurst. spec for uh, for Kevin, but um, again, strong performance from both of those drivers. So yeah, I think I think the Groves should be pretty happy with their Enduro campaign this year, given that it's really their first year as a Ford yeah. team and and having a big swing like they are, in the in the current rigs.
1: I tell you what, one of the uh, the amazing things, one of the amazing shots that I saw post Bathurst is that engine of uh, the number eight car of Heimgartner and Wood. And then mm. Conrad coming straight out of the side of that engine that, uh, whoa.
3: New, new air-cooled version of the V8 yeah. Chevrolet. Nice.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it probably exited, but yeah, they're under a lot of pressure at that joint. So yeah, first real major engine drama, you know, Ford fires aside that we've sort of seen. So I, no one's questioning the reliability of the engine package, which probably has been one of the, the better outcomes of Gen 3. So far, I think between
1: the two of them, the port packages kept us uh, busy and entertained right throughout the whole weekend, gentlemen. Yeah. Good racing across the board. Wasn't it really? Yeah. Porsches were fantastic. Utes were great. Uh, I'm
3: I'm here for the beef in the Porsches. That was fantastic. Yeah, it was. It was. And you love, you love that so much. as the Porsche guy.
0: You got to, but it's, it was, there was nothing manufactured or fake about it. It was no. genuine, <laughs> genuine angst, which is great. So, ah, oh, that stuff puts bums on seats and makes people watch. Um, and having seen the Porsche TV ratings isolated from the supercar ones, I can tell you they did. So the most watched Porsche around in about six years. So no, it was, it was terrific. It, it genuinely means something now that championship, it, I mean, it always has, but the The stakes are high. Crow Cups had six different round winners from six rounds this year. Seven different race winners. Um, six points in the championship now. Um, heading to the Gold Coast, um, where Harry Jones will be back. We don't know if Harry King will run that round. I've got a sneaking suspicion they'll try and find a way after what he did at Bathurst. But yeah. a Gold Coast street circuit's a very different proposition in a Cup car to Mount Panorama, um, which is a lot more like the tracks he's used to over in Europe. So it'll be particularly interesting to see if he does come back and race there, how he adapts to that place up against the guns that have been racing there for a long time. But yeah, Crow Cup was awesome. Three really good races across the weekend. Thoroughly oh, enjoyable.
3: I was all in on the Toyota 86 as the last ever round for that yes. generation of cars. And they were brilliant. <laughs> they were so that good was so good to racing. watch. And they've been like that all year and in the main game and their scholarship series, but they, they did again on the weekend. It was really good to watch. And, and just the respect that they paid each other. Like there was no, mm. The racing was close, it was tight, but they weren't carving each other up and putting, putting each other into the shrubs, which was nice to see. And Super hope, 2
0: didn't go Super 2? I just, just on the Toyotas. I hope yeah. the new car, is it's much more car race car than yeah. the existing one, um, which isn't, isn't a bad thing. But I just hope it maintains that level of competition, that product, the style of racing that it's got, because it is just genuinely outstanding. But, at least with the new one, they're all being built in the one shed, yeah. which should help. Yeah, There'll be less less dodgy, sneaky stuff going on up and down the field, I'm sure. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Allegedly. Good on you. <laughs> Allegedly.
1: There you goes our insurance coming into play. Beautiful. Uh, super twos didn't go all super twos.
3: Uh, they were entertaining, uh, interesting races. They weren't necessarily uh, the, the big uh, grudge matches that we've seen in the past, but. Uh, they were intriguing right to the finish. You know, that had the Zach Best had the five second penalty there. Zane Morse was on for the win, and then uh, he broke down late, which was uh, really sad for him because that was a proper underdog um, privateer performance, and he did a great job, but uh, got robbed there. But so um,
1: Aaron Love had himself in contention as well until he hit oh, the wall. Yeah, wow. He
3: did a great job on Friday and not a very good job on Saturday morning. Mm.
0: Mm. Mm. That was a big old, big old whack from Love, wasn't it?
1: There was yep. a couple of big old whacks over the weekend, weren't
3: there? Well, we're, yeah, not a yes, lot, but the ones was, that were. But
0: it, it was. not There's a usual Bathurst is has so much more generally. Yeah. yeah. Like Decker Decker's shunt in the Tickford thing was was really the only other real big one from a from a uh, supercar's point of view. And even then, you know, the Sportsmans
3: had their first two races written off, but mm. they weren't massive shunts by any sort of stretch of the no, imagination. Just, you know, sports just... being parking it up sort of thing yeah. and which was a shame for those guys because uh you know we've got the video on the power rankings of uh jordan caruso and the audi chev doing a 2025 and qualifying which is pretty ridiculous yeah and, and there would have been more in it too if he had more practice and and was able to bet into the circuit but still
0: a 2025 is uh pretty loose mm. i liked them there i i'm glad they were on the program but I I don't, you wouldn't make it an annual thing for those cars to be there. I don't think, um, I liked, I liked that they existed, but yeah, their first two races were complete write-offs basically. Um, and and then they gave them an extra warm up lap for the second one, 12 kilometers of up laps, probably a bit too much. Yeah, it is. And, and that, and you're there to race, not to warm up, but yeah, that was just sort of part and parcel of trying to get them a full racing, which is, which is fine. Um, yeah, just a bit frustrating, the sports and ants, but they were always they're probably always going to be, let's be honest. Um yeah, I don't think they'd have them back next year, but maybe in a couple couple of years, give them a few years to recover and they'll be back in. Tony Riccadello, by the way, now leads that championship by a decent margin on on track for title number three hundred and thirty seven. How are they uh, got to go to together. Go
1: for... Hey, oh, scary. Yeah, they're going to go on the stretch of the Gold Yeah, Coast.
0: Real, real sketch. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, don't, I don't think they're going to get a lot of racing laps up there either, but uh,
0: I could I could be wrong. It's happened mm. before.
1: Uh, I'm sure we'll talk more Bathurst in our hots and knots. so let's move on and uh, talk a little bit of uh, Mr. Oscar Piastri. What a fantastic weekend for that gentleman.
0: Well, I think they'll be talking about this one for a while, won't they, mm. Um Yeah, what a performance. Wins the sprint. Second in the Grand Prix. More importantly, beats Lando. You know, out of anything that result, you know, your second or your third, you're never going to beat Verstappen at the moment. But uh, beat your teammate, who's incredibly highly rated and being linked to all sorts of drives. If he leaves McLaren, um, that's the box you want to tick. And boy, did he tick it! I'm gonna to say to McLaren, uh, the world record for the fastest Formula One pit stop at uh, 1.8 seconds. Wow! Which is Bonkers, absolutely bonkers. And I think they're now first and third in the quickest pit stops of all time in Formula One history, which is pretty remarkable. Um, Yeah, huge performance. And haven't McLaren just come such a long way from the start of the year when they were pretty average racing cars, um, barely scraping into the 10 in Melbourne, and they were just genuinely uncompetitive. But now um, Aston Martin in the last six races have scored 47 world championship points. Uh, McLaren scored 47 world championship points in Qatar. <laughs> so yeah. the battle to haul them in for fourth place in the world championship is going along very nicely and L plan for Fernando, not so much, but what a great performance and you know, Oscar just proving what everybody knows is that he deserves to be there. And what he's slammed home in the last couple of races is, is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Sadly for Oscar, the
3: MVP was his mum Nicole on Twitter Obviously. once again, <laughs>
0: She's awesome. Cancelled um, my, my seven AM Pilates appointment and posted <laughs> a bottle, two empty bottles of champagne. <laughs> Ruth,
3: yeah, that's such a Melbourne mum, isn't it? Bayside yeah. Melbourne mum. Yeah, yeah, good on her. Uh, and I'll dip into the knots here. The Qatari curbs causing tyre dramas and and putting in a, a three stop race for Sunday, which kind of mixed things up. And well, it was good. Like
0: I don't know the frustration for Formula One is the same frustration I had with Sunday's supercar racing that they're on a tire that's not capable of being driven hard. So they all wobble around because they don't want to make an extra pit stop because it's bad for strategy. So you give them three compulsory stops and they went flat out. So you <laughs> nearly killed all the drivers. Yeah. Oh, well, well <laughs> the lead athletes, I, I tend to agree with Martin Brundle on this. It's, um, heat stroke in car racing is not a new thing. No. So everyone knew it was going to be hot going into it. I'm not trying to lighten this and and it's mm. it's bad that some people went to the medical center after it. It's pretty impressive that some of them were were smart enough to take themselves there. They knew that stuff was going on, but mm. um how many times do you see people in the, you know, the ultra marathons or the Olympics on the edge of complete and utter failure while they're trying to win? Like that that's as far as I'm concerned and I'm the as far removed from an elite sports person as you can possibly be. <laughs> I'm happy to admit that. But um that that's what they're paid hundred million dollars a year to do. So um you cop one well, hot grand prix. Talk
1: to some of those blokes that used to run around Adelaide in the early days.
0: Oh well yeah, famous scenes early Adelaide oh. five hundred. To be fair, yeah. the nutrition and the preparation and the science behind it probably wasn't as advanced as it is now. But um yeah, I, it's, it was funny. It's interesting that um, Twitter, there's been, there was a lot of retrospective. We should cancel the race. So after the race, everyone was like, oh, we shouldn't have run it. We shouldn't have run it. This was oh, yeah. a terrible idea, which is the easiest thing in the world to do. Um, but what I, what I enjoyed was a lot of the sports car racing, Twitter fraternity were like, oh, this is, this is a lot of our races are like this. We're cooped up in an LMP one car in a very small area with less moving airflow than you get in an open wheeler. Um, you know, you deal with it. You learn to prep for these. It's just rare that in a Grand Prix, that's what happens. So, yeah, it was interesting watching social media implode and then the other side of it leap to the defence and um, as all that played out. But yeah, put a
1: cool suit on and get out there. Stop complaining.
0: Well, but- they they won't run cool suits because they weigh weight. Oh, they, this, you're talking oh, about okay. Formula One who yeah, are yeah, running yeah. their cars in half bare carbon because paint weighs 500 grams.
1: But, okay. um, so you're your
0: own worst enemy then, aren't you? Pretty much. Okay, man, <laughs> you, you could regulate around it if you needed to. But, um, anyway.
1: Anything to talk about the States, Mark? Uh, NASCAR at the Charlotte
3: Rival, AJ Elmerdinger Dinger. got the win. Uh, and then cried a lot because he'll be out of a gig next year. Most likely <laughs> uh, it was a cutoff race going to the next round as Willie Byron, Ryan Blaney, Denny Hamlin, Christopher Bale, Chris Busher, Tyler Reddick, Kyle Larson, and Martin Trokes Jr. Who's done absolutely nothing in six weeks, but just run through on the coattails of his bonus points earned earlier in the season. Knocked out on Monday morning, our time where Ross Chastain, Bubba Wallace, Brad Keselowski, and Kyle Busch. So eight, Remaining four weeks to go in the NASCAR Cup Series.
1: Fantastic. Now, I promise this to Chris Gillespie, thanks to his hosting of dinner on Sunday Night at the Great Wall, the Hots and Knots, apparently brought to you by Caltex this week. <laughs> wow. Nice. nice.
0: Uh, no, that's fair. That is absolutely fair. 100 our, our. Well, I mean, I, I, I've only got one hot this week, but I am going to supplement it with a hot for Bathurst tradition, and we we have several Bathurst traditions, chief among which new traditions, like going to reckless brewing more than once in a week. Um <laughs> G'day to Jared. Salute to you. Um, who I think we can now count as a sponsor of the show because we, we did end up with some beer. Um but our Sunday night debrief at the Great Wall on the bottom of George Street, opposite the King's Hotel. Um terrific. One of the just one of the great traditions and, and things mm-hmm. are talked. Um, we sometimes talk about the car race on Sunday night. We didn't really talk much about the car race. We talked about everything else, but uh, good times, thoroughly enjoyable. I, lo- I love the little traditions around it. Shebex, we went to the hub on uh, Monday morning. Monday morning, yep. And uh, had a delightful bacon and eggs and a cup of coffee and half the supercar field, the Bathurst 1000 field oh, was in and out at the same time, which was great. So you have a little debrief there.
1: And we can confirm is... that Brian van der Wacker saw the biggest breakfast burrito he has yeah, the, ever seen the, the in the
0: his Hubs life Becky burrito is like
1: they were, the, they were the biceps of the incredible hulk the the green wraps mm. huge
0: yeah. yeah no it was it was outstanding um no very good so that that's a hot uh i'll give a hot to my good buddy chad because he absolutely smashed it we talked about it in the power rankings on trt which you can read now but um he was called up at late notice to call uh, on Friday when, uh, Neil was unfortunately plowed down by the gastro that was going around the supercars paddock and, um, a, a hot to hand sanitizer businesses who thought, <laughs> who thought after 2020 and 21, they were, they were gonna make a Motzer and then all of a sudden people stopped using it. And they were all stressing because they would just got so much stock of hand sanity left over from COVID. But all of us, Bathurst sold out of hand sanitizer on the weekend because all of a sudden everyone was back on the program because no one wanted to get the gastro that was going around town. Um, unfortunately, Uncle Neil got it and uh, missed missed Fridays running, and then missed a session on Saturday as well. Um, so uh, Chad was roped in at the last minute. And, and yes, he would have prepped thoroughly to be in pit lane, but your prep would be different to calling play-by-play in the box. So for him to slide in as he did so smoothly was a huge, huge nod. And... Um, it's often nice just to hear different voices calling your favorite sport. And and it was really interesting to listen to, to he and Mark call as opposed to Neil and Mark not saying there should be change or not, but um, it was really good. And and well done to everyone in that world that managed to um, pick up the pieces around Neil not being there. And he's a massive part of that broadcast puzzle. So that was uh, hugely done. Uh, Um,
3: Actually just on Chad there, his line. uh, you know, 20 years ago, we had the lap of the gods. Now we've got the
0: lap of the dogs. Yeah. Now, I, I'm. I'm going to just let you in on something here. That wasn't his line. He was oh, being what? fed. He was being fed that. And I hope Chad doesn't mind me telling the story. Here we go. He, and he he did allude. I did listen to it again today. Uh, and and he said they tell me it's called lap of the dogs. Ah. And that was because every single member of the production crew in the broadcast truck <laughs> were, were on the back mic. And Chad, to his eternal credit, didn't want to lower himself to such an easy in, but under pressure from the producers and the directors, he he did roll it out and it was wow. a good line. It was a good, yeah, line. good line. Um, I'm going to give the dog a hot too, because, <laughs> because the story on its own is great. So there's the dog, it leaps, the fence is charging up and down, trying to round up the racing cars. Turns out it's owned by Robert Brock, like son of God, if the dog it, is wow. a Brock so is that dog a prince actually yes it must be like so the the dog is a brock the most famous name in australian motor racing history and what an incredible link that was and full credit to brian ingerson who went and found found the dog and filmed a little story and it's on the supercar socials now um should have gone in broadcast that was um that was tremendous. So, um, but my, my, big overall hot was just, uh, I, I stood and watched the start Shebex and you were there and I was stood yep. next to Gary O'Brien who was in his 56th consecutive Bathurst Correct. 1000. Um, and we were just standing there and we were soaking it in as the grid cleared and the place was packed and the build up was great. The music was pumping and there was a genuine vibe, sun mm. shining. There were five helicopters hanging over Pit straight. Um, it was just great. And Gary, who has been to that racetrack since 1963, stood out there, looked over it and just looked across and went, see, this is good. And that just showed the power of Mount Panorama and the Bathurst 1000. I loved that little moment. Um, that was really special. So that's, that's my big hot for the weekend. Nice.
3: Mark right and on that like my first one's a genuine one like i love motorsport i love bathurst always have as a kid we're we're paid to go there and do work how ludicrous (laughs) is that as a concept yeah like that doesn't really compute you just don't take that from granted for one sec that was a pretty cool realization when i'm standing up there at the cutting absolutely by myself having that (laughs) race to myself that was uh pretty cool on sunday morning um hot and this is a temperature one it's goes to my feet and my photography elbow. Uh, Wednesday to Sunday, I covered 71.98 kilometers on foot and took 28,238 photos. Not bad. So uh, year on year compared to 2022 for the same period, up 20% 20 distance wise and 35% photo wise. So uh, really had a big swing there. uh, You're
1: fitter than you've ever been.
3: No, I'm pretty fat. Uh, On the hot, on, on that, hot goes to Canon Professional Services, who absolutely gave my cameras a tune-up, which they mm. absolutely needed. Uh, shout-out goes to listener Heath, who caught up with me on the weekend. Also, shout-out to all the various listeners who we saw down there at Reckless yep. Brewing, and there were a lot who yep. read yep. our ultimate Bathurst City Guide, and yep. they went there and partook in the face of We are two, and, tourism
0: generators now. Oh, 100%. Yeah, we legitimately contribute to the economy. Um, We should get government funding.
3: We should, I don't
1: know how that'll work, but yes.
3: Uh, seeing Chris Stubbs at the track, crazy. Did you see Stubbsy? I saw Stubbsy.
1: Stubbsy. what a legend. Stubbsie. He even looks better when he's got when I've got my glasses <laughs> on.
3: So, peek behind What's the a- curtain. There, we're just walking out of the track, and certain somebody on this chat just yells out, Stubbsy! And we turn around, there's no one like Chris Stubbs
1: anywhere near there. He's just, I
0: didn't have my, my glasses. Raccoons. On. Stubbsy is a listener of on the grid, so he will hear this and get a great. I didn't have my glasses on. Adam there was too. this
1: bloke walking down the stairs, and I literally hey. thought it was him. I wouldn't have done it otherwise.
3: Boy, uh, Stubbsy aged yeah, <laughs> it
1: terribly. It's a very stressful thing in Channel Seven on.
3: world. Uh, what also goes to punters singing along to Taylor Swift on Friday night from the live concert in Harris Park? Yes, somewhat surprising. There's so many Swifties. Yep,
0: uh, even on this chat. Yeah, hey, Richard. Yep. Hate is going to hate, hate, hate Mark. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> ultimately all you've got to do is shake it off. Oh, I love
3: it. That's, mm. uh, that's great. Mm. That's great. Uh, and you mentioned Gob earlier. Also John Thompson, 50 oh, Bathurst. Yes. Oh magnificent. So uh, a lot of big milestones being wrapped up this year. Uh, National Motor Racing Museum. Yep. That's my happy place there. That's awesome. Yep. What a, what a joint. I just love going in there. That's uh, such a good display. So, um, that's an unpaid ad just go on nah, going. well ahead. done
0: uncle brad nice work uh
3: i managed to pick up the most on-brand merchandise in the history of on the grid podcast it's the pizza hut <laughs> stubby <laughs> yeah. cooler excellent a pizza hut supercar stubby cooler so uh we really need to get pizza hut on board to distribute yeah. those uh, with a bit of on the grid branding um also on merch shout out goes to zane morse's mum for getting my little man a, a pink shirt he my little fella, he loves the pink race car and they were giving mm. away some merch down the weekend and got Zane to sign it. But uh, unfortunately, the fairy tale got screwed over there in the last couple of <laughs> laps of the race. But that would have been a really, really good story. But uh, yeah. thanks to the Morse family for that. That was uh, pretty cool. And dad well, got hit-
0: saved when he got home. Yeah, nice. We'll hit, we'll hit Theo up with some uh, BWT Porsche stuff in the future as well, I think. That'll be good. Oh, perfect. Think we'll uh, the F35 flyover. Oh,
1: oh. genuinely hot. hot. Shit hot, that. like seriously. <laughs> it was There's no
0: racetracks in the world where the flyover is beneath the light level of the racetrack or that- some of the racetrack and a dead set is. Yeah. One of those
3: aerial skids that he did there was so low. Like he yeah. must've gone close to that control
0: tower. <laughs> it was really low. And was bang on point two at the end of the anthem. Well, it was Nat Bass doing the anthem, wasn't it? Natalie Bass- yep. right? was it? Mm. Yeah. Yep. She, and she did hold the the air bit at the end of Advanced Australia Fair um, t- t- until, <laughs> she until she it came. <laughs> but how's it like what do they call it? Like cyclical breathing or whatever it is. Just they keep breathing and breathing and breathing yeah. without breaking the note. Like that, that nailed that. That's a hot, but was, that was excellent. Oh, Natalie, is, is well, Natalie, Batsby is, he's hot. Well, lovely woman. very, very talented. Um, Shane
3: signs, Fantastic yep. sticker service in Bathurst. Stickers, in fact, so good that you can't even peel them
0: off. That's how good <laughs> they are. <laughs> so for those uninitiated, we were staying quite near to the racetrack and we walked back one night. We were within walking distance. In fact, the house we were staying was closer to the circuit than where we had to park last year when all the car parks were closed. Um and we roll in one night, we walk up the street, and Mark just lets out a groan because his car's been papped. So Shane had found out where we live because I think the, the house is his brother's cousin's former roommate or something like that. They're all related. Um, and, um, had sticker sticker bombed your car, which was outstanding work from him.
3: And, what uh, you like
0: yeah, it can't go anywhere. So no. whatever.
3: Uh... The final one was uh, so Oscar when Piastri. you're carving when you're carving people up on the Monash in oh, and, and it happened today. Like, it'll have Shane, Shane signs back, is, and he's going to cop all the hate for it. He's going to cop some <laughs> bad calls and bad bad Google reviews. He didn't think this through at all, not even slightly. Uh, finally, Oscar. Oscar Piastri in the Max Verstappen podcast in the cool down room, his reaction there. He wasn't watching the screen at all. It's, was it was it Lewis and George that crashed? <laughs> <laughs> I'm to go and watch that. That is the most, that's all I've seen on TikTok this week. It's, it's, it's very Oscar. Very
1: Oscar. Nice. Uh, a lot of my hots were covered by you guys. And I appreciate that. Thank you very much. One hot for me. And I love this either of a nighttime or first thing of the morning is the smell of smoke coming, mm. emanating from the mountain. Mm-hmm. And regardless of pretty much where you are in Bathurst, if you're 10 kilometers away, or if you're 757 meters away as we were that, the fires that are lit up there and the like, you know, to keep people warm throughout the night and love because it does get pretty cold on that mountain. That that smell of the wood burning, and that's just it brings you home. It mm. really makes you feel, yep, here we are, we are back at Bathurst. Love yeah. that, yeah, well, yeah. I
0: like, I, no, I like that. Outstanding. Um, I I I didn't honestly didn't bother much with knots this week because I was just in such a good mood after the race and the event that uh, I struggled. I, I, I did blow through the soft tie thing earlier, which is more fixing the sport than a knot. So happy to contribute to the society there. That's fine. Um, I, I was gonna knot the whole point score thing, but I just can't be bothered because we've still got a good championship fight going on as well. Um, i I'll not the faith in, in your teammates because I, I Google mapped out a, a back road to the racetrack from our accommodation, which involved a little bit of um, off piste walking. And there were some doubts, Tony, from members of our team as we walked in mm. for the first time on no, Thursday. I don't. Um and yeah.
3: Good social content though. It, it,
0: it was. And and not only did it save us from having to walk up and subsequently down two hills mm. each trip, um, it was quicker and no, no peril befell us whatsoever. So, um It was a particularly angry dog. And did you notice the state of that fence?
3: Yeah, during the daylight well, hours, it, it wasn't a very
0: good fence. It would have been fine. <laughs> it's South Bathurst. Nothing's ever happened there. At five a.m. in a there. creek. The only night, and and I won't. I, I I actually can't really give too many details about it. But um, so I I, I apologise for being um ambiguous. What, ambiguous on this. Thank you. Um, but there was some dodgy shit that went on Sunday night, uh, in and around the paddock area, um, and the support paddock area. Um, with punters that had clearly had a little bit too much celebration uh mm. over the course of sunday um and for whatever reason security wasn't able to manage that so um some things went missing so that that that's just a little sour taste that that a few a few people celebrating too hard having too good a time let's try and positive this up as much as we can um have just celebrated a little bit too hard um and unfortunately leaves a you know Two hundred four thousand people there in four days, and five or six of them have uh, unfortunately yeah. done something stupid. But um, that was a little bit of a shame. So, but you're going to get that in every big sporting crowd, aren't you? So, um, yeah, that was that was a shame. But I, I couldn't be bothered with knots this week, to be honest. It was just such a cool, uh, cool week to be there at uh, at Mount Panorama.
1: No, no, I agree with you. And Mark, if I could just jump in before you mm. bring us home, because uh, he will. I was the same. I only had really one knot, and that's driving home from Sydney after the Kiss concert. At 11.15 uh, of an evening, back to Bathurst. It's it's a long bloody drive back. Well,
0: you make it's life choices, You make it's life choices in the middle of the biggest race meeting of the year to drive back to Western Sydney. They're never going to be back, Richard. To the site of the former Sydney 500 to watch the KISS play and then drive back to Bathurst.
1: <laughs> what was hot, though, was the park that we actually pulled outside yeah, no, you, Acor Stadium, a 200-metre walk from the car. Yeah to the um, front door of Acor Stadium. That was very well done. Yeah, Crusher, well done to you. But uh, no, that drive back on a Sunday night, on a Saturday night, that's got balls on it. That's not good. <laughs> right. Uh,
3: I had a big rambling rant here about the whole parody thing, but I just hope that Ford stay engaged in the sport yeah. and this doesn't, the sour taste of 2023, they can have a big reset over the off-season and, and keep Ford engaged next year. So I hope that as a sport that they sort that out. Um he's just left the chat, and I was just about to give him a spray, so I'll keep going uh on logistics, not goes to the pothole in the hume that had a police car parked over it in the monsoon as I was driving up on Tuesday night and it absolutely destroyed four cars it was the mm. size of this pothole. Like, mm. it was ridiculous. And you wouldn't have seen it and none of those
0: dudes do. And they absolutely all wore that pothole. What what them. side of the border was that Victoria or New South Wales? It was oh, just Wales. Victoria side. Oh really that's a surprise. Because normally yeah. across the border and I say this with love for country New South Wales, which I genuinely have, normally across the border and instantly the roads deteriorate so that's interesting
3: yeah no the the new south wales side wasn't great but it wasn't Mm. potholey it was just cracked and fairly munted um and he's back in the chat here we go and on equally serious matters for the sport tony your logistics in getting to bathurst caused me genuine anxiety
1: (laughs) (laughs) would you like me to cover them off
3: Yes, uh, please briefly. We've been going a long time.
1: <laughs> I was very stressed, and I so wasn't involved. I was scheduled to be on a six fifteen flight out of Melbourne to Sydney. Unfortunately, due to high winds, sorry, I was scheduled on the six o'clock. That got cancelled. They put me on the six fifteen. High winds meant that that was delayed by an hour, and also the fact that we also had a couple that had a five foot seven two year old sitting on their lap with a free seat wasn't allowed either. So they had to eject them from the plane before we took off and find their luggage. So that all struggled. We got to Sydney at nine o'clock, uh, went down, grabbed my bags, went downstairs to the train, called that to Central Station, had an hour's gap between arriving at Central Station because I missed the train that I wanted to catch. So I went and had some breakfast, came out and went to Platform 7, Caught the train to Lithgow, got to Lithgow, Jumped on a bus from Lithgow to Bathurst, and then jumped on a taxi from the centre of Bathurst to the track. We got there in nine hours, which I think would have taken me that long to drive anyway. So I did pretty well. I got I got there in eight hours and thirteen minutes. So yeah, yeah, that was good though. It was fun. I didn't have to stress. I didn't stress.
3: No, it stressed me out though. That so don't do that again, please. Uh, and one final lot from me goes to that uh, Bathurst 60th anniversary 50 cent coin. They made 40,000 of them and they charged $15 each and they all sold out everywhere. Excellent. So if you want one now eBay, they're $80 a week after they were launched. Well, I so there's tell some you smart what... operators there that absolutely cornered that market and pissed off a lot of motorsport <laughs> well, it people. It blows
0: my mind that a 50 cent piece could be worth $80. <laughs> it just if doesn't you seem right, it... does it?
1: If you want any Bathurst merchandise, so the 60th anniversary merchandise, there will be some cheap stuff I reckon going very soon on someone's website because there was still a fair bit left. It was quite good the... though. They did that quite a good great. job with good. that. It and actually depressing. we
0: should we should give uh, credit to our friends over at V8 Sleuth. Um who did the program, the biggest ever battered no, program. Yeah, good program. It was a very good program. And uh, they printed, I think from memory, they told me, you know, 12 or 15,000, and they very nearly sold all of them. And no one buys
1: magazines these days. So that's a promising thing. So well done. good. Stuff. For the hottest petrol in Australia, Caltex. That is the Caltex Hots and Knots. Geez, that sounds good, Chris. Uh, catch you guys later. Well done. Fantastic week. Uh, we better thank
0: you for our actual sponsors of city rural uh, oh, insurance just... brokers as well for thanks to Andrew and, uh, and their support as well. Uh, yep. We're back to some form of normality next week. Oh, by the way, if you're in South Australia this week, motorsport Bonanza, so Shannon's trophy round at the Ben with Porsche sprint challenge, radicals, Australian Ford, with Ford. Ford championship. So Shebex and I are going to be there again, which is awesome. Um, Saturday night, sprint cars at Murray bridge speedway. Oh yeah. And drag racing at the Bend Drag Strip with the street oh, machine, horsepower, please. something or the nationals. So within a Something t- for oh, everyone. And, and a round of the Australian Rally Championship. Oh, it is the Festival
1: of Speed in Adelaide this and weekend. And
0: it's all, all based within 5Ks of tail and bend. So who would have thought that joint would ever become the mecca of Australian motorsport? But it sure is this weekend.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. And just fine will be running in the might and power at Caulfield. On Saturday afternoon, if oh, you want that's, to pass that's an the, have reach. that's the good Tony. That's, yeah, that's the good one. Yeah, that's the good one. All right, boys. Catch you next week. Thank Bye you for, for joining us, and we'll catch you next week right here on the grid.